I'm going to start with a reading. It's called The Bright Thread of Hope by Gretchen Haley. There is too much beauty in this world to give up on it yet. And it is always too soon to surrender to cynicism. Bring your doubt, your skepticism, your downright confusion, even your bitterness. But in the midst of all these, in the center, wrap your tender fingers around that still bright thread of hope. Feel in your heart that still steady hunger for something more. The vision we glimpse every day in the rising sun across the foothills. The light that spreads across the face of one we love. The look of knowing all there is to know and still loving life, loving us just as we are, just as we are. For this hour, we come to celebrate, to praise, to give thanks, and to refuse to give up, to steady ourselves, keepers of hope, brave builders of the still possible world. Come, let us light our chalice of bright hope. Let's have a time of meditation together. The rabbinical text of Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. So my visioning of God is of a divine spark that resides in each of us. This is a common spark that connects us all and guides, guides us and gives light to our lives. So as we, we reflect on this writing this morning, I invite you to a time of centering meditation. As you become aware of yourself and the space in your home, I invite you to relax your jaw, close your eyes, and feel your breath coming and going naturally. You may want to place your hand on your heart, clasp your hands together, or do some physical act that focuses your intention right now. And then listen silently where you are, reflecting on these words. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Be still and know that I am hope. Be still and know that I am hope. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Be still and know that I am peace. Be still and know that I am peace. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Be still and know that I am love. 
Be still and know that I am love. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Be still and know that I am here. Be still and know that I am here. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Amen. Blessed be. Aha. Please join me and Tracy in singing. We have recorded this song with the song leader. We will mute you as we sing because there is a slight delay in the sound that makes singing together hard. But I invite you to sing out loud in your home and we can watch all of us singing with you. sermon today, <clears throat> a short reflection, is on chaos theory. So you all know that scientists try and understand everything that they can, and physicists particularly, who witness things that appear chaotic or random in the world, they try and find patterns, and they try to account for this apparent randomness. And they work really hard to find ways to move systems out of chaos into more synchronicity. So I thought I would um, read something that they would say in their own words that sounds like this. Any chaotic attractor contains an infinite number of unstable periodic orbits. Systems move between these unstable orbits in unpredictable patterns. So I thought that would clarify everything for you by reading that. These guys, what they're trying to say in plain language is that even when something looks chaotic or random, there's an underlying structure to it. And one way to imagine this is if you would visualize a horse's saddle that has raised edges on the front and the back. And right in the middle of the saddle, there's a ball balancing there. The ball won't go off to the raised edges on the, on the front or the back, but it will continually start rolling off the sides of the saddle unless it's constantly nudged back into that middle. So to control the ball, to control the chaos, you don't avoid it, you don't walk away from the saddle, rather you stay right there in that chaotic region. And the way to control the chaos is to give it small nudges. You don't hit the ball hard 
or it's going to go completely off the saddle and you'll lose complete control of any pattern that you saw there. So the main points I enjoy about chaos theory are these. The first thing is I love the idea of the chaotic attractor. I believe I know people who are chaotic attractors. They're sort of like Charlie Brown's friend, Pigpen, who just picked up dirt as he walked around life. These are people who just seem to attract this erratic, unpredictable orbits and how they think and how they live their lives. I also appreciate the idea that we shouldn't try to avoid chaos, that in order to control chaos, you have to engage with it, you have to interact with it. If you pretend that chaos doesn't exist, that it's not present, you don't learn any of the parameters that limit it. So you can't interact with it in any beneficial way. And finally, to control chaos, you must be gentle. You nudge it. You give it small taps, small pushes. Overacting will only add to the chaos, send it spinning to a wider orbit outside the parameters you've learned about. But small nudges can move chaos into a consistent pattern, at least for a short while. So actually, I'm someone who likes chaos. I like a little bit of it. I like the challenge of finding out what causes chaos and what shapes it. And I enjoy finding what those little nudges might be that sets it back into a pattern. And I don't mind if things are not stable for a while. I like the way it challenges me. It challenges me to be creative, to see new patterns, and to think in new ways. But I don't like it too much. People who thrive on being chaotic attractors become exhausting after a while, as you all know. And I don't like chaos just for the sake of having chaos. I want it to lead somewhere eventually. And that could be a new way of thinking, a new way of understanding, or a new way of doing things in the world. You may have figured out that right now we're actually living in a time of chaos. I've had many phone calls with friends, and some of them and I have begun to theorize that we're actually moving finally into the zombie apocalypse that we've all been preparing for for many years. We have been watching educational videos for quite a while, movies such as Night of the Living Dead and I Walked with a Zombie to get us prepared for these times. We're living in the chaos of a political system that has destroyed the social supports that have protected the poor, the elderly, and the marginalized. It's a time when we're witnessing numerous countries turning to fascist or military government systems. The climate emergency has become so dire that life as we know it can no longer continue. Our economic system is collapsing, and now we have a virus that's closing down businesses, schools, and keeps us isolated from each other, scared of who might be unknowingly infected in our vicinities. How are you dealing with the chaos of this world? There are self-help articles that have been written about how we manage chaos in our lives, and the suggestions are consistent with the scientific explanations of how we manage chaos. They agree that by ignoring it or denying its power, it doesn't help. In order to bring any control to chaos, we have to engage it. We have to understand some of what shapes that chaos. Pima Chodron 
a Buddhist practitioner, writes, we can never know what will happen to us next. We can try to control the uncontrollable by looking for security and predictability, always hoping to be comfortable and safe. But the truth is that we can never avoid uncertainty. This not knowing is part of the adventure. It's also what makes us afraid. Buddhist thought encourages us to actually embrace chaos, recognize chaos, give it attention, while also paying attention to our core self. That way, we come to understand it as outside of ourself, outside of our being. There's an, also an article, sort of on the other extreme, that I read by a Navy SEAL, who talks about reframing chaos. Instead of allowing it to overwhelm our thoughts or emotions, learn to see chaos as an opportunity. He argues that if we find out how to thrive in chaos, we evolve and we increase our capabilities, our capacity to deal with the uncertainties of the world. He also talks about ways to nudge chaos into more synchronicity. He suggests setting and achieving goals for things like exercise and meditation and eating. These can be ways to gently move random behaviors closer into patterns. And sustaining relationships with friends and acquaintances that contains that orbit of chaos a bit more. It prevents the ball from rolling off the side of the saddle. So in these chaotic times, as we face the zombie apocalypse, instead of sharpening your axes and swords, we can follow these pieces of advice to increase our feeling of control. Identify the chaotic attractors in your life, the people who seem to be a bit out of control. And this doesn't mean you have to judge them to see if they're good or they're bad. It's just recognizing them. There are times I cannot handle the complexity of being with friends who are chaotic. But many times, in fact, more times than not, they're exactly who I need to shake me out of my conventional or pedantic ways of thinking. Second, learn to lean into chaos. Begin to see the opportunity it offers to help to see how it can help change our life patterns and to evolve and ground ourselves more. And third, think about ways we can nudge chaos when it becomes disruptive. It doesn't require huge shifts. These days when many of us are self-quarantined, small moments like learning how to zoom in to see each other or playing an online game with someone of whatever new things each of you have begun, these can change our perception of the chaos that may sometimes threaten to overwhelm us. My friends, these are challenging times. Let us lean into them and draw out what we can as we always, always strive to bring out the best each of us has. Blessed be. Let your little light shine, shine, shine. Let your little light shine all night long. Cause there might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. Let your little light shine, shine, shine. Let your little light shine.
thought of it as the Jews consider the Sabbath, the most sacred of times. Cease from travel, cease from buying and selling. Give up, just for now, on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are all connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has come clear. Do not reach out your hands, reach out your heart. Reach out your words, reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. But know the fire burns on in you. You, each of you in this space carries a divine spark inside of you. You may feel alone, and yet you are part of this community. I see your voice. I hear, I hear your voice. I see your face. I see your fire. Your light carries through the invisible microfilaments connecting you to me and to the others here. Burn on. Burn your chalice of light, of love, of deep connection. May you be still and know that you are love, that you are peace, that you are hope, and that you are here. Blessed be. Amen.